Hello, everybody, and welcome to Libromancy, a podcast about the magic of books. I'm Josh, and today I'm going to be talking about Ruby Fever, the sixth book in the Hidden Legacy series by Alona Andrews. So let's protect the magic of books. Man, first off, I just want to say this was a great book. I did get an arc of this book, but that's not changing my opinion. If you've heard the last, you know, five reviews of this series, I've, I've loved every one of them. This book continues. I loved it. I love the relationships, the reveals. You know, everything culminates into this amazing book that's exciting and fun and tense and it never gets too overdone or too kind of wrapped up in itself i really like that so as trying to talk a very non-spoiler way the family dynamic in this book series is just amazing i love the way that alona andrews writes these sisters now i don't have any sisters so maybe these sisters are kind of weird if you have sisters but to me they just feel like a regular family they tease they laugh they play they trick They protect each other. They help each other. You know, you don't really want to do that. Yes, I do. I really want to do that. No, you don't really want to do that. Yeah, I mean, just that kind of stuff. It makes it real. It feels lived in and whole. And so I really like that feeling and the the way that they write their characters in these books is that they're real and they don't, it feels like they do the things they do because that's who they are, not because that's what we need them to be doing, even if at the same time, what we need the characters to be doing, you know, it just ends up matching with what they need was what they want to do or would do anyway. So I really like that. I think their their writing style, again, in this book continues to be super accessible and easy to read, but still engaging and very descriptive. The emotion and the energy they're able to push out in certain scenes just kind of ramps it up and makes you feel good. I, I loved it. So, you know, even in this book, it was, uh, it was nice to see that you could almost almost read this book as a standalone not as a standalone because that would be weird but like you could almost come into the book at the sixth book and kind of have a general idea of what's going on do i think it would be the best thing no i don't i think you should read all the books in order at least you could start with the first of catalina's which is emerald blaze no it's not emerald blaze it's sapphire flames i think you should start there if you want to just start halfway through the series because that's what you do because you're weird who knows why you're starting in the middle of the series but i liked it that's all i'm trying to say now i think we're going to have to just get into some spoiler stuff here because the books they are what they are we know it you know it and they're fun so i want to talk about a bunch of that fun stuff of course so uh, let's get into it the plot you know it's a good plot it was a little bit interesting because in the beginning the first maybe half you don't really know what's going on but then by the end of the half the 50 percent mark you really are knowing what's going on so the plot as it is is that uh, arcan has been selling the osiris drug to people he sold it to the speaker of the assembly who gave it to her daughter so that she would have her magic, but she did not become a Halcyon, which can kind of calm people down. She became basically an anti-Halcyon, and she makes their brains kill themselves. <laughs> Very destructive. They attack Linus, who is the depu- the warden deputy. No, he's the warden of the state, not the warden deputy. The deputy is Catalina, of course. Uh, he protects himself. Catalina finds him, finds her dead, because Arkan kills her to make a statement like, hey, I killed her. You know, it's okay, don't come after me. But then the Russians get involved, which just is kind of funny, because Arkan sold some of the Osiris drug to the Russians, which caused an incident, and they were willing to let bygones be bygones until he stepped back in the arena and made a mess of things. So they're here to stay. And they have sent Constantine, who was a good character. It was nice to see another illusion mage that is kind of like on their side and the compare and contrast him between Augustine from Montgomery International Investigation. So I really liked seeing him. Constantine, 
he you could kind of feel like his presence and the way he was acting was going to be the third wheel love. He was going to try and, you know, take Catalina. And I'm glad to see that it didn't really work that way. That, yes, he does approach her and he does find desire in her and he kind of wants to take her back and date her and stuff. But it's never pushed as like a Catalina's like, oh, do I pick him or do I stick with Alessandro? And, you know, it's all kind of contingent on Alessandro dying, which he thinks will happen because of Arcan or and then maybe going to Russia with them. So that was really exciting. It was nice to see Constantine and his he doesn't really grow but just to see another aspect of the house functions where he is you know the russian side of the houses or the you know emperor and they are the houses in houston right so that dynamic was really cool and i really liked in this book that we see a lot of our side characters are starting to get a lot more character depth than our main characters which is fine with me because you know catalina and alessandro they really hashed out most of their stuff in the last book and so we don't need a whole lot of new things from them we're not looking for them to really grow they've kind of hit their their good spot where they they are who they are and they know what they're doing and they're confident in that now we still get a little bit of growth with Catalina she does change a little bit she works on her magic you know the love of protecting people you know I love that that's we're gonna tangent here into her magic you know that her magic is all based on love the green wings to show the love uh, for her to protect her and the black wings to protect someone else the love of someone else right so her power is so based and i love the fact that she's kept her sides so separate for so long and she didn't realize she had the harpy part of her magic that her wings are basically two sets of separate wings whereas most sirens just have the one set of wings that are gray and then they kind of tint green or black depending on which part of her magic she's using the scream or the sign the song and that was really interesting to see but let's talk about our side characters for a little bit because there are side characters that don't get a whole lot of growth obviously burn and runa getting together that's a little bit of growth and we see a little bit of change in them but for the most part they're pretty static they're kind of at where they're at i you know i really like seeing them leon with his gun magic he hasn't changed much but there's a potential for him to change more and arabella she is growing She's becoming more mature. She's handling their finances. You know, she's just a good character and she does grow a little bit on the side that we see. But I think the people who change the most in this book are Victoria and Linus. Victoria Tremaine and Linus Duncan. Because Linus is their grandfather and he finally admits it and we kind of see it. And he has a tint of that siren magic in him, which is what enables him to be protected when the speaker for the House Cabero comes for him to kill him, right? So I think we see mo so much growth in them. We see all these reasons that Victoria did, like, they don't change, but our perception of them definitely changes. Because Victoria, you know, she's like, all I wanted was a family to love, and when my son didn't have magic, you know, I wanted a kid, and I couldn't have one, so I did this horrible thing, yes, but I'm paying for it, and I protected people, and I made, you know, I did it the only way I could, and I just wanted a family to love, and nobody loves me or will be with me, and it's like, okay, you're still kind of crazy and psycho powerful, and you are still a walking bomb, basically, but like, I totally see where you're coming from that you just want love you want to be appreciated you want to be forgiven you want them to interact with you to hold your grandkids and you know with linus we see kind of the opposite where he's been this like upstanding figure and he's been he's the deputy and he he's not the deputy he's the warden excuse me and he does all these amazing things and we learn yeah he was like an absentee father he did kind of bail on them he did do some weapon you know smuggling and the weapons dealing in the past he's trying to atone for these things like so we learn so much about them that can kind of color our ways that we perceive them 
them. And I love that the way that their interactions, they, they interact with each other and they hate but love each other still and they move, they change things. The dynamic changes and it keeps moving and flowing. And it's just a real feeling. Like this is somebody who really, Victoria somebody who really wants her love and her family, but she's being denied it because of all the things she's done. Whereas Linus has done other things and he's being forgiven for it. She wants what he has. And it's just so good. Their fights and their interactions. It, it feels real. Like I said, I can't say it any other way. So I really like that. I really, really like their family dynamic here. I, I guess I want to say, I, I don't know, but uh, if they write another series and if it happens to be from Catalina, not from Catalina, from Arabella's, I don't know who's going to be her romance. Could it be Mihail, another beast of Cologne? That was pretty surprising, but pretty funny when I read that, that, that he... Uh, shifts into his magic and Arabella just laughs and then she shifts and then they go fight and then they wake up you know they they tire out and they're both naked and Arabella's like yeah whatever I'm naked I could you know cover myself or I could just you know kind of flaunt it and just be like no I'm I'm comfortable with who I am and you didn't win and then she walks off like that was such a cool thing so also the keeper of records but while we're talking about Arabella the keeper of records and Michael they are scary and in order to figure out how to defeat Arkan they Linus has to allow something and before he withdraws his opposition to it. They talk about Arabella's love life. So this could be a potential person that Arabella will meet in her series. If there's a series, of course, because for those of you who don't know, Lona Andrews is going oh, rogue. Rogue sounds bad. They're going kind of independent and they are moving away from their regular publishing house and publishing on their own. So hopefully we get to see more. Hopefully they're able to keep the license for these characters and move on with that. Something I'm pretty, I would be sad if they weren't able to, but I would totally understand. And eventually I think those rights would have to come back to them anyway. Let's get back to the story. So like I would was really excited about that oh yeah Leon's gun magic again he's bouncing bullets off of everything always excited to see that i just i love all the uses of magic and the way it works you know between Leon's gun fu and Matilda being the adult as a child she's just so funny walking up with a rooster being like the scent has been acquired if you change form he will bark if you disappear he will bark if his collar goes off I will be alerted and I'll come back with friends and you won't like it and just like hers that's so fun and Arthur her nephew is a telekinetic Hephaestus Prime. Like, uh, crazy. He builds a rubber band gun out of yarn and needles and pushpins, and it works. And it's just like, oh my gosh, that's so cool, but like also so scary that he can do this. And he is, you know, basically a toddler because it's only been six to eight months since the last book. So pretty awesome. I just love that. Cornelius showing off his animal, his prime. And I love Victoria. She's like, significant my butt. Like, he's totally a prime because he stops a summoned creature in its tracks and turns it on them, which was just awesome. Like, just amazing in the scene, right? And while we're talking about that scene, the final battle, Franco Sagrado, I'm glad he's dead. He definitely needed to die because he was a horrible person. Instead of wanting his children to do better and like work for their own living, no, just marry and be rich and do nothing. And then your kids can inherit the debt and then they can inherit the debt. And then doesn't matter as long as you do what I say and ah, just a horrible person. Obviously shopping around for Alessandro trying to get him a wife is not the best, but like Alessandro could want to get married. That's not a distinct possible, you know, an unfair thing, but doing it to his sisters and trying to take them to the doctor and get them, you know, declared that they're not infertile and stuff and like the steps they had to take to try and stop him. Just bad news. I'm glad that she screeched at him with her cool hate love magic and just destroyed his mind because he deserved it. That was, that's all. 
Uh, okay, I'll run this last battle. Arcan is a little bit OP. Uh, he has petrification magic to stop everything in a five in a so far radius, right? Just stop it. Nothing moves, not even blood or inanimate objects. Now, luckily, people don't die, of course. But then to also have the passive magic field that nothing can hurt him, nothing can enter his skin in that radius. What? A little bit uh, crazy there, which, you know, I'm glad they were able to get around that, of course, but just a little bit crazy. Now, I know we're kind of bouncing all over the place, but I loved, I loved, it was a good way to write Nevada and Rogan to keep out of the story, to keep them involved and not involved at the same time, because if Nevada and Rogan come in and solve all the problems or help solve all the problems, then it's not really a satisfying book for Catalina, but this way they're able to be involved and not be involved and help out, but still be stopped. And Xavier gets owned by Rogan with his own grinder ability. That was pretty impressive. Just sweet. It's just a good scene. What can I say? It was a great scene and there are a lot of great scenes in this book and there are a lot of great lines, the sass, the quips, the back and forth between characters. It just makes me love every bit I was reading this. I yeah, I have a hard time putting these books down when I get into them, right? And it doesn't take long to get into them. Two chapters and I'm hooked. So that's not too bad. But that's going to wrap up my discussion for Ruby Fever by Alona Andrews, the sixth book in the Hidden Legacy series. Thanks for listening, everybody. And thanks to David Hillowitz for the intro and outro music. If you have any questions or comments, Comments, things you think I missed or should talk about, you know, please send those to LibromancyPod at gmail.com. Please like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from. And I do have a Patreon that's available. It's patreon.com slash Libromancy if you feel like supporting the show. And remember to protect the magic of books. Mm-hmm.